0: So I had to dress up oh, no. a pair of little boys' pyjamas and have all my nice long nails cut oh. and recreate the scene of him taking the apple out of the stocking, um, sh- showing everything but my head. Oh! And I have to say, I never, ever forgot.
1: Ever wondered what the creative process is behind the films, TV shows and theatre productions you watch? Well, Crew Chats is a new podcast going behind the scenes and chatting to the crew that help make these productions. I'm Poo and I usually work in the costume department. Whenever I tell people what I do, they're always fascinated. So I thought, wouldn't it be cool to hear more from the wonderful people who work behind the scenes to make the films and shows we all love? Today's guest is Sue Hills who began her working career at the BBC at the age of 18 where she had the opportunity to apply for various training courses. After a few years as a production secretary in the light entertainment department Sue began a training course to be a script supervisor which gave her the chance to work in various departments including current affairs, religious programs, documentaries, music and arts, children's programs and comedy. Sue completed a continuity course and went on to join the BBC drama department. Her first job was working on Howard's Way and she went on to work on the likes of *The Buccaneers*, *Clarissa*, and our mutual friend. She stayed at the BBC until 1999, after which she became a freelance script supervisor, working with directors such as Roger Mitchell, Stephen Frears, Ron Howard, and Joe Wright, to name a few. Hi, Sue. Hello, Poonam. Thank you for coming on to the podcast. Um, So your job is a script supervisor, otherwise known as kind of continuity, I guess, as well, generally for the film. So I didn't know what it meant, what it was or a job like that even existed before I sort of um, met you actually on Victoria and Abdul, which is when we first met. Could Mm -hmm. you briefly explain what that job involved?
0: Well, if you if you're just talking about the continuity aspect that is being on set with the director as the uh, film is being shot and basically making sure that every element uh, matches from one shot to another so costume makeup um, the actions of the actor within the scene so just for example if you're shooting two people talking and they're having a cup of tea just to make sure that if the person has lifted their cup on a particular line that they do it again if you do another size of shot otherwise when you cut it together it looks like the cup is going up and down up and down it's basically the it's matching shot to shot so that when the editor cuts them all together you don't have things jumping all over the place so i mean that's basically continuity Uh,
1: okay and then pre obviously um the other sort of half of it is I guess is script supervising and there's a lot of work that goes into that pre-filming as well as whilst filming if you could let us know a little bit about that as well
0: yes well the usually you have two if you're lucky three weeks maybe at the beginning of a film or or television program but one of the most important things is to time the film uh, so that people have an idea if it's running too long. Uh, it's, uh, most films run too long because the writer gives everyone plenty of material so that you've got material to choose from and then you can cut bits out if you want to. So ha- hopefully the film will be running slightly too long. But if it's much too long, then it won't fit into the filming schedule. So people have to know if it's much too long and then they will nip out a few bits here and there. Uh, to make it fit. It's much more of a problem if it's too short uh, because that means you actually have to write more material um, okay. into a, into the film. But that's that's actually quite unusual for that to happen. Um, so timing it's probably the first thing. Then you would sit down and do a, a story breakdown, which is basically to chop up the the, the, the story into each scene so that you know who's in which which scene, what happens in the scene, if it's day, night, what time of day it is, what season it is, um, any other uh, useful information, especially if it's period, because yeah. then you would have to add what year it was, uh, what might be going on at that particular period, etc. And then the, my final job is when this, the script is completely settled, it's called, called a shooting script. In other words, you hope that it won't be changed but that is usually a forlorn hope um at that point before we start shooting i go through the whole script and work out all the continuity points um because as you know um a script is not shot in sequence it's always shot out of sequence so my job is to make sure that those crucial continuity points are i know about them so that if we shoot something out of order, I know what should have happened in the scene we haven't shot yet, if you see what I mean.
1: I do, yeah. How do you, so this is going to sound like a silly question, but how do you keep track of all that? Do you, is it a digital process or do you write everything down? Because it sounds like a lot you have to keep track of.
0: Um, there is a lot, but I think that's why the prep period is so important, because you can sit down quietly And you can think, well, in that scene, in story order, this man leaves the house carrying a briefcase, and he arrives at his office carrying his briefcase. Now, if you shoot the scene at the office, before you shoot the scene of him leaving the house, I will have made a note. He arrives at the office with a suitcase and an umbrella and a newspaper or whatever, so that then you know that you've got the right props for the scene when you shoot the one when he leaves the house, if you see what yeah. I mean.
1: Yeah, I guess you those notes then go on to the various departments that require them, I imagine, as well.
0: That, that's that's right. I mean, the props departments, costume, makeup are all brilliant um, as well. So nine times out of 10, the prop man will say, doesn't he have to have a briefcase? And I'll <laughs> say, yes, please. Um, <laughs> so uh, everybody works together, which is fantastic because one person cannot possibly do uh, everything so yes it's a team effort yeah definitely
1: I'm gonna go back to just what you mentioned earlier because this point fascinated me is how do you time a script it sounds like again it may sound like a silly question to you but I was really curious
0: uh, No, that's not a silly question at all um, the main thing to remember is don't just sit and read it in your head what you have to do it's which can be quite embarrassing is <laughs> get your stopwatch and act it out so um. i play all the parts hopefully when i'm at home on my own <laughs> so play all the parts and try and give a rough idea of what any action would be like so that you know you don't just rec- just time the dialogue because there are things other things happening which take time as well so uh, i would do a, a, a timing for each scene and you know basically add it all up and uh, see if it's roughly the length that the, the film is supposed to run which is you know maybe they're expecting 90 minutes and if it runs 190 minutes then that's a problem.
1: And they sit and cut out I guess I imagine.
0: Yes exactly yes.
1: I'm going to circle back to how you began in the industry because I think it's quite interesting it's a very interesting job that you do and it'll be quite interesting to see how you got into it as well.
0: Um. Well yes uh, it's a long long time ago I left school at 18 and went straight to the BBC um, in 1976. And unfortunately, unlike now, the BBC doesn't do the massive amount of training that it did in the 70s when I joined. So once I'd got in, I knew that I could apply for any training job within the corporation. And they would train, apart from script supervisors, they trained costume, makeup, art department camera department, sound department. They trained literally everybody. It's amazing. And I'm afraid now I don't think I don't can.
1: think they do as yeah, I don't think they do as wide as variety as they probably did back then, I don't think. It's kind no. of whittled down.
0: No. Um, so I was I was very, very lucky and I got a very good training. So having I, I I was I went in at eighteen and without a degree, the only way you could do it was to go in and learn to type and oh. then become a production secretary. So I did a few years in the light entertainment department, then got on a training course for script supervisors who were called production assistants then. And I learnt not only to do all the the prep, because in those days you did the prep on a programme as well as the post-production. So I learnt the whole process from beginning to end of a a programme. And I was also taught to work in the gallery, which is, you know, if you have multi-cameras,
1: like
0: top of the pops so I learned how to do music bar counting shot calling all that sort of stuff as well
1: oh wow that's invaluable isn't it you kind it, of wouldn't yeah. get
0: that. yeah yeah it was all all good fun um and then because I decided I really wanted to get into drama I then did another training course specifically for continuity and and then I spent 18 months working with a senior script supervisor in the drama department um, and then they let me loose on my own programs
1: how was that? How, how did you find that?
0: It was quite daunting, um, the first drama <laughs> that I did, um, because the continuity is something you really have to practice. So, yes, it was quite daunting, and I have to confess, I made... A few mistakes, but you do learn from them.
1: <laughs> I was going to ask you though, actually, in in that instance, when say for example you don't pick up on something, or you know something goes wrong and it's not noticed, hmm. and you notice what happens in that situation.
0: Well, um, I tell, I will tell you one mistake that I did make, and what happened with that one. It was Only if you want to. <laughs> yes, I don't mind. Um, it's a long time ago. Uh, yeah, it was a children's drama called Children of Green Know. And there was a a sequence where a little boy um, opens his Christmas stocking and gets an apple and he goes straight out to the stables and feeds it to his favourite horse. Now, in those days, we didn't have video playback. So if you missed something, it was gone. (laughs) And there was no way you could say, oh, I need to look at that again. Because it had gone. So you had to make notes of everything. And of course, we shot the scene where the horse ate the apple before the scene where he took it out of his stocking.
1: Uh.
0: <laughs> and I forgot to make a note. And before I knew it, the horse had eaten the apple and I couldn't remember what colour it was. Oh, no. <laughs> and so when we went back, To do the scene where he opens his Christmas stocking, the prop man said, what colour should the apple be? And I just guessed, and I said, green. And it was red. So so when it came to the edit, the editor said, well, this won't work because he takes a red apple out of his stocking and feeds the horse a green one.
1: Christmas miracle.
0: Exactly. (laughs) So uh, the director said, right, well, we'll have to reshoot the scene where he opens the stocking. But the little boy wasn't available, so I had to dress up. Oh no. In a pair of little boy's pajamas and have all my nice long nails cut oh. and recreate the scene of him taking the apple out of the stocking. Um sh- showing everything but my head. Oh. And I have to say, I never ever forgot.
1: Oh, I bet. Yeah, <laughs> I was. to say that's a good reminder. Then, when you're on, when you're on set doing something like, I don't want to dress up in those pajamas again.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that that gives you an idea of the sort of thing you have to keep an eye on. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, What kind of skills, because you're doing so many different things from even before the filming has even begun. And when you're on set, you're doing remembering so many different things. What kind of skills do you require to do the job that you do?
0: Well, I think, I mean, observant, obviously, Mm. and as calm as possible, because the moment you start to panic, you will forget everything. Um, So I think you need quite a sort of calm, placid personality Mm. um, because you've also got people who are not as calm, possibly, on set, um, who are asking you questions all day long. Um, So, yes, I'd say uh, observant, maybe a little bit pedantic, um, because I always say, well, let's start from perfection and then compromise. So. Right. Try and get it perfect, so at least you're starting from perfection, and then, if necessary, you have to compromise.
1: Uh, so I think that's probably a good um, a good way of thinking about it. I think approaching it that makes sense with most things, I guess, as well, not just yeah, 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 most things. Yeah. Um, you went on to then you left the BBC and went on to become a freelance script supervisor, working on feature films. How and then working with directors such as Roger Mitchell, Stephen Frears, which is a film that we worked on together, Ron mm-hmm. Howard, and Joe Wright. How important is that relationship with the director?
0: Uh, well, it's it's very important uh, to me, and I, I hope most directors think it's important. It's uh, basically you you are a, a second pair of ears and eyes for the director because they've got other things going on, mm-hmm. and if you can back them up with listening to what's being said i mean that the dialogue is correct watching what's happening um i mean some directors get so worked up and wrapped up in the performances Mm. for example one director i worked with didn't notice that when an actor got into a taxi his hat fell off and he, he said cut oh that was absolutely great yeah print it and I said well actually did you notice that as he got in the cab his hat was knocked off and he hadn't noticed it at all um and obviously we couldn't use that one because in the next scene he's still wearing the hat so it's things like that where you can back them up um, and gently tell them you know perhaps we might need to do that again
1: I'm assuming they're usually obliging
0: yes usually <laughs> uh, <laughs> sometimes they what they don't want to know <laughs> But it's your job to tell them.
1: <laughs> and what about um, collaborating with other departments? You've mentioned um, props, hair and makeup, a costume. How important are those relationships and how does it work? What does that relationship involve? Um, well, I think
0: it's absolutely crucial. Right from the beginning, when I join a um, a job, I always introduce myself to the costume, makeup, props department cameras sound um and then the you remember i mentioned the story breakdown that i do at the beginning uh i send that to all the departments so that we are all working from the same piece same document and then any questions that anyone's got you know if they think i've said something happens at three o'clock in the afternoon and they might say well actually no it wouldn't it would be in the morning Mm. then uh, we can mutually discuss it and get it right um so yes and on set the costume standby people the makeup standby and the props men are absolutely crucial to, to getting the continuity right and um, and as i said it's a definitely a team effort
1: yeah 100 percent. i think every everyone who's sort of been on the podcast or very generally when you speak in the film world you're all sort of aiming for the same thing and if you can all work together and to make it happen then great also the other thing you sort of touched upon as well you do you mentioned that you work with the camera department as well you have to make a lot of notes on their camera angles I think you mentioned and Mm -hmm. a focus puller as well how do you do you make those kind of notes a really random question to
0: ask uh no no it's um it's a standard um it's an accepted thing that after each shot the script script supervisor will go to the focus puller and get the lens that you've used the focal distance and any filters that are on on the camera because you might have to reshoot something and if you say three weeks later somebody says we need to reshoot that close up of so and so i can look up my notes and say well you used a 50 mil lens with a something or other filter and the distance was five foot six, which means they can set up the same shot quickly uh, because they've got all the information that they need to make it exactly the same.
1: It's so interesting because your brain must be constantly ticking, (laughs) especially when you're (laughs) filming, I find out you're retaining so much information. Obviously naturally you say you note it down and stuff, but I find it's, it must be, I feel like you're probably being pulled from all sides on a job when you're filming. But what are the highlights of your job? What do you enjoy the most?
0: Oh, gosh. Um, I think I, I do just enjoy being involved in telling a good story and being the, the sort of camaraderie of a film crew is, is lovely. I just like being with all these people who are so good at their jobs and they are invariably nice people. <laughs> I should hope so. <laughs> so, yes, you know, uh, I just like the, the whole teamwork side of it um, and feeling that you've done a good job. Is great. I'm not so interested in, I, I'm not really keen on films that involve a huge amount of CGI. Uh, that doesn't interest me at all. It's telling a good story. So it's good performances, a good script, a good design costumes that's what I enjoy
1: yeah I see that you can see it kind of unfurling in front of you I think that's quite amazing when you're on set Mm, definitely and so because of the nature of your job when you yourself are at home and go to the cinema and watch a movie do you notice does it has it changed how you watch something
0: um I find if I've literally just finished work if I've just finished a job I I find I am watching the continuity and it drives me mad (laughs) Um, after a little while, I stopped doing that. And also, if I really, if I'm really enjoying something, I forget about the continuity is if I slightly lose concentration on the story, I find I'm watching the continuity. <laughs> So that's the thing. If it's good, then I'm not worried about continuity. I just enjoy it.
1: That is, um, I was going to say, yeah, because I think everyone that works in this world sort of has their own thing that they're paying attention to. But I guess because yours is an overall sort of, you have an overall eye of things. Yeah, I did wonder if you go in not looking for mistakes obviously that's not really the thing I think but seeing things that with the rest of us maybe not wouldn't see because especially with these sort of superhero films I don't know if you've noticed they, there's a lot there's obviously a massive fan following of them and they all kind of have these online sort of chats where they talk about well this wasn't right in this scene and they didn't bring this into this scene and I always wonder oh this is like mm.
0: someone's ni- someone's nightmare there. <laughs> <laughs> yes well yes you you could drive yourself insane if you kept doing that but I must admit that sort of thing I think it, it, it's it's like this uh, there's a website called nitpickers.com uh-huh. which, uh, which concentrates on continuity and I I made the mistake of looking at it oh. one day and I found that one of my films was mentioned and I thought well, I've got to find out what they're saying and it was I did the um, Joe Wright's Pride and Prejudice in uh-huh. 2005 I think it was and this person had said a continuity error on Pride and Prejudice. And I thought, well, I wonder what this is. And they said that there was a scene where Elizabeth Bennet was eating an apple and the teeth marks in the apple did not match. No. Yes.
1: Oh, wow. Um, People have got a lot of time on
0: that. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my goodness me, get her life. Uh, <laughs> and I thought, I'm not, I'm not looking on that website anymore.
1: No. Oh, I have. Someone's really got a lot of time on their hands. Sorry, go ahead.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
1: Dreadful. But we are coming to the end of the podcast and I, this is my favourite bit where I get to ask you about your your favourite picks, your favourite recommendations of things to watch. Oh, yes.
0: Well, I, just, I really had to have a think about this, but um, I'm a huge fan of old black and white movies. So my black and white movie to watch would be david lean's great expectations which is i think 1946 and it's as near to perfection i think as you can get um storytelling wise and oh it's also an adaptation of a great book so that would be my first one my second one is another adaptation of a great book which is to kill a mockingbird i love that movie where's gregory peck yeah it's so good yeah absolute perfection that film and the third one is a recommendation f- to watch one of my films that i worked on um which was atonement uh, again did by joe wright
1: it's a really good good film as well actually actually all you, I, I haven't seen your i haven't seen the version of great expectations you've mentioned but i've seen the one that the more it's not a more recent one but the, i think even daniel radcliffe played no, I'm thinking... Do you know, I'm getting confused. No, he wasn't. I'm
0: thinking, you're thinking of David Copperfield. I'm thinking of
1: David Copperfield. But I've I've seen the more recent Great Expectations, but I would, probably should check out the David Lean version because it sounds like it's a good one. It is and a good one, yeah. To Kill a Mockingbird and Atonement are really both... Um, amazing films as well um thank you sue so much for agreeing to be on the podcast i very much enjoyed our conversation it's been really interesting
0: you're very welcome thank you
1: thank you for listening and i hope you enjoyed my conversation with sue tune into the next episode where i'll be speaking to nick buck a hair makeup and prosthetics artist